Hey everybody, it's Gabriel Menchaca. I'm excited to get started on this new series, Work and Water. It's actually gonna be a three week series and we're gonna go over basically three different perspectives of this scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.8. And it says this, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So in talking about this, we know that it says now he who plants and he who waters are one. So when I say work and water is the title of the series, what I'm referring to when I say work, the idea of plant, planting. It takes work to establish something into the soil. You have to uh, basically dig up the soil, put the seed in, uh, tend to it, and then the water. So, But it, the scripture teaches that he who plants and he who waters are one. If I could sum up the entire sermon into one sentence, it would say this. We must be careful not to be corrupted with carnality. Our role is to work and water. Our mission is to disciple. Scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 7, the scripture that precedes verse 8 says this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one, I planted Apollos watered. This is Paul speaking. He says, he planted Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And then we get to verse 8, which says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Specifically in this setting, what we would find in the historical context or the cultural context, uh, it would be set up like this. There was an inner battle going on in the church. There was something that would we could define as sectarianism. Now, sectarianism is excessive attachment to a particular sect or party, especially in religion. So what we know is that Paul and Apollos were basically two church leaders that people were divided over. Some were saying Paul is the best. Some were saying Apollos is the best. And, and men were making an issue of which minister was a better minister, which one was a better leader. And picking and choosing sides became detrimental to the relationships within the church. They were arguing over this. They were literally declaring like it was a big issue. And they even compared some of these men to Jesus. They put them on the same level. And so Paul here is, is correcting them. And he actually previously wrote in another chapter in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. It says this. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. 
but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul called these contentions and basically moments of division, he called them out. He was saying, this is not right, and, I, and I've been hearing of this, and I'm telling you, and I'm pleading with you, this is not good. And so further, we find that Paul addressed it as a root being carnality. So he ended his address of their contentions and their divisiveness with a question, are you not carnal? And so when we, when we see divisiveness in the church, when we see splitting or comparison or saying, this person is better, this person is better, why are you following that? Why are you listening to them more? Our leader's better. We can understand that the root of that is carnality because Paul was addressing this in the early church and he called it out. Are you not carnal? In 1 Corinthians 3, 4, the New Living Translation says, When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? Message says this, When one of you says, I am on Paul's side, and another says, I am for Apollos, aren't you being totally infantile? English Standard Version says, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal. Paul's goal in addressing the carnality was not to condemn them. He was not bringing condemnation. He was actually trying to bring them back to a place of seeing what was really important. So we can get lost in a lot of that. Carnality brings that to the forefront. We, we begin to make non-issues issues. Carnality was the issue at hand. It wasn't the divisiveness. It wasn't picking or choosing who was a better leader. So carnality was the issue at hand. When it comes to the purpose of the church, carnality has a potential to corrupt that purpose. See, corruption means decay. Corruption means decay. Corruption is a process. Corruption is a process. It doesn't just happen. Corruption is something that begins slowly and gradually and creeps up into the areas that we, we all know and love. Uh, uh, church growth, all, all these issues. But divisiveness, again, uh, the, the picking and choosing, the arguing, all of this Paul said was carnality. Uh, he called it out and he was addressing it uh, as an issue that mainly believers or followers of Jesus, they were followers of the way, he called them. They, they found this important enough to argue about which leader is better, which leader, leader do you follow? And he was addressing them. He was talking to them. He was talking to those who had faith. People in the world didn't care. People in the world don't care about some of the issues that can creep up in the church. When we are carnal, the wrong issues can become the big issues. The wrong issues can become the big issues. When the wrong thing becomes the most important thing, we can lose focus and begin working on everything else but what's important. When the wrong thing becomes the most important thing, we can lose focus and begin working on everything else except the most important thing. Carnality causes condemnation because of the lack of care. The blood of Jesus brings us new life, 
because of the attention to the necessity of Christ being at the center of all we do. If Christ is at the center of all we do, we will see uh, a church grow. We will see a church flourish. We will see uh, Christians begin to become mature in their, their faith and their belief. But when you see carnality at the center, all these things become very corrupted. My second point would be this. The church's role is to work and water. When we say, what is the church for? The church's role is to work in water. We will find this in any healthy church. You will see work and water. You'll identify in healthy churches work. You'll see people serving, volunteering. They'll, they'll be taking time out of their day to do things for others, to help build, to help establish, to structure, to give their mind to future planning. You'll see professionals in accounting. You'll see professionals that come from a, a, a large field of, of dealing with finances and bringing their uh, knowledge, understanding to help budget. You'll see people who uh, have a background in law to help establish the church in the correct way, the structuring, all these things that you'll see people serving in the church. And this is the work you see. And then you'll see the watering. You'll see the church has this role of, of working and watering. We are not owners. We do not own. Let me say that again. We are not owners. We do not own. Carnality can force us to forget that. Because carnality begins to position other things in the center. So what happens is in our carnality, we begin to think this is ours. We begin to think, we define this, we decide. But the reality is that if Christ is at the center, we totally understand who this belongs to. We must be careful to not be corrupted with carnality. Our role is to work in water. Our mission is to disciple. Whatever you make a big deal about states the place of your heart. Whatever you make a big deal about states the place of your heart. If you were offended by a pastor, every pastor you meet, you make sure to be like, well, they're just, they're just this, you know, you know, very flawed. Pastors are very, very, very flawed people. You know, if you were hurt by your friend, you know, you, you make it a point to point out their flaws. You make it a point to say what you need to say about them. It's like, oh, oh they're a good person, but a horrible friend. They're, they're great people, but they're horrible friends. You know, uh, they're not so bad if you like evil people. <laughs> you know, we, we paint a picture of other people in, in a carnal way because what happens is whatever is a big deal for us states the place of our heart. The things you take personally are brought to the top, to the surface, whether we like it or not. Paul was saying you guys have gone off path. You, you need to correct your direction. You, you need to refocus. Your carnality has gotten the best of you, meaning the issues that shouldn't matter have become paramount. They are the things that are most important in your life. Now, if we can recognize our carnality, we can begin to attack it. We can begin to uh, push against it. We can begin to learn how to, how to force ourselves to recognize and act that our hearts and our, and, our, and our minds and the things we talk about don't become centered around carnality. How do you keep carnality in check? So examine your words before you make that post or before you respond so quickly in that conversation. I was talking to one person and I remember they, they said that pastors need to learn sometimes how to just listen. 
Because as soon as somebody's talking, we're trying to find a solution. We're trying to find an answer. And we wanna just give somebody something to say, that's how you fix it. When we haven't heard the entire thing. And so listening for pastors is something that's huge. We need to learn how to listen. But I would even say for any Christian, learning to listen is huge because we can begin to understand the bigger picture. Luke 6.45 says this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So we know that scripture teaches us that the issues that we speak about, the things we talk about, are actually an overflow of what's in us, what we've dealt with, the hurt, the pain, or even the things that we ourselves are guilty of doing. So examining our actions, would someone who was following you see that you are a Christian? Let's just take social media. If they're following you on Instagram, if they're following you on Facebook, if they're watching your YouTube channel, if they're watching your Twitter feed, are these things that point people to Christ because of what you say and what you do and the things you share? Or do they point somewhere else? Because again, if Christ is at the center, everything is about him. James 2, 14 through 24 says this, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So the carnality in the place that we can come from, if it's not from a place of faith, a place of saying Christ is king, it, it positions us to actually be only working and not having faith. Because then we begin to work at the wrong things. We begin to get everybody to believe the way we believe. We begin to get everybody to see things the way we see things. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you this and that. And it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like if Christ is at the center and we know that there are other Christians in other ministries, in other organizations, in other parts of the world that have a relationship with Jesus. They, they know the Holy Spirit. They read their word. They pray together. And we see them and we, they don't agree or, or we do things differently. And we know that if our carnality comes to the top, we will argue. We will debate. We will be divisive. We will say, you're wrong in the way you do things. But if Christ is at the center, we find unity. The church's mission is to disciple. The church's mission can be lost in your mission to convince someone that you are right. The church's mission can be lost in your personal mission to convince someone that you are right. What happens when we begin to put carnality as the centerpiece of our life? What we want becomes the most important thing.
When Christ is at the center, we begin to understand Christ is the answer, not, not what I think is right, not what I like better or the choices I've made. You know, the mission of the church to disciple, how can you disciple correctly with a corrupt heart? How, how can you clothe the naked or feed the hungry when you're so worried about, man, I don't like that worship song. James said, just because you believe in God doesn't make you a Christian. Even the demons believe. Your actions speak so loudly, we cannot hear what you are saying. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. Don't disciple people into the wrong things. We must be careful to not be corrupted with carnality. Our role is to work and water. Our mission is to disciple.